0: there's nothing that you could do there's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and jesus to learn more about elevate how you can get connected or how you can support the work that elevate is doing in erie visit elevatechurch.com hey elevate church this is chris hodges at church of the highlands in alabama and i serve on the board of arc and i just wanted you to know how proud i am of you and your pastors colby and Kristen and all that you've accomplished in such a short amount of time. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I had the chance to spend some time with your pastor in Atlanta. And you guys have some amazing leadership in them. I'm really excited that you're doing the series Four Cups based off of the book I wrote several years ago. And since Pastor Colby is out today, he asked if I would share this first message in the series that I preached here at Church of the Highlands. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's open up our hearts to God's word today. God bless you. We welcome all of you guys. We're so glad you're here today. How about it, Grant smile? come on, say hello to your church family, yeah. All right, so I've just written a, a brand new book and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in, in just a second, but it came out on Tuesday and I'm very excited about uh, this book, but I wanted to tell you the story behind how it all happened, because about three years ago, I had the opportunity to take my first trip to the nation of Israel to do a Holy Land tour, and I did it with about uh, 40 of my pastor friends, and it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic in every way. I highly recommend it. It ought to be on your spiritual bucket list. You will not be sorry uh, if you make that uh, just uh, something you try to accomplish in your lifetime, Uh, But it was very different than what I was expecting. And and some of that had to do with the tour guide that I had. Loves God, and uh, but he's an archaeologist. He he loves really digging into you know exact facts, and so there. So when you get to Israel, you know you, one of the things you want to do is you want to go to all these sites. That you want to be where Jesus was. I want to I want to step in the very places where Jesus stepped, and and so they have all these places: the Sermon on the Mount and the Mount of Transfiguration, and where the wedding at Cana, and all these places. But when you get there, they have the spot but it's called the traditional location of it. And, and our tour guide took great pleasure in telling us it probably didn't happen here. <laughs> and I was like, uh. You know, I was like, I was waiting for this kumbaya moment and he's like, man, that, that that Holy Spirit just flew away every time he said that, you know, it's like, man, you're just kind of you're crushing my moments here. And he's like, oh no, I probably you know, because you go to this baptism where the baptism in the river Jordan, there's people there getting baptized, you're like, oh, it's right here. And, and he goes, No, no, it's probably about eight miles down the river, like, oh, you know, <laughs> it was kind of kind of terrible. And so, in fact, we went to Nazareth. Where Jesus grew up, and they have a first century home there still that they 've excavated, and you know you can look at it and see what, the, what kind of houses or homes they, they would have lived in, and they're, of course they 're very uh, archaic as you can imagine. and He said, "Oh, by the way, when you 're looking at this, this is probably similar to where he was born i 'm like, no, 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 he was born in a stable, barn, cows, pigs, a little manger straw it 's pretty i 've got it on my coffee table it 's pretty, you know." And, <laughs> He goes, No, it wasn't a barn. It, wasn't, it really wasn't what, you know, stables didn't look like, you know, like an American stable. I said, I went there and I said, Well, then what did it look like? He said, Well, they probably, their stables were probably caves. He was, was born, Jesus was born in a cave. And I'm like, Well, that don't look pretty on my coffee table. Cave, okay, I don't want a cave in my front yard. And anyway, just just kind of ruined it for me a little bit. And so the last day we're going to do, we're doing the, um, the Via Dolorosa, La the, the last steps of Jesus through the, the gates of Jerusalem and to, all the way to the, the cross. And so it's, that's a very touching moment. Those are the exact places. Uh, and, but right before we, w- we went to the place where he spent the night before he went to the cross, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the Mount of Olives, you can go to this garden of olive trees. And, and of course, Jesus prayed that last night. That's where he was arrested. That's where it all began. And so you're there, and so we decided to to take communion together. I've been in church my whole life. Communion is, it's a cup and it's some bread, right? That's what it is. And our tour guide said, no, that is not what it is. I'm like, no, don't tell me. We've been doing it wrong all these years. And actually, when when he told me what it would have looked like on that night, on that Thursday night before Jesus went to the cross, I got one of the greatest revelations of my life. He says, no, actually, when Jesus would have observed the Passover meal, the Passover celebration. We're gonna talk about that next week, the Passover meal. He said, actually, from, from the book of Exodus to today, when Jewish people celebrate the Passover, it's actually, there would have been the bread, but there would have been not one cup, but four. And I said, well, tell me more about these four cups. He said, yeah, they would actually read through one passage of scripture. The same passage has been read through since, since the book of Exodus, the Moses story, until today, that they'd read this one passage, and in that passage has these four statements, and they drink a cup of wine with each statement. And and things are kind of coming together because in Luke 22, when you had the last supper uh, in, in Scripture, uh, the cup's mentioned several times. And I, and not, I always knew that. I was like, wait, well, I don't understand why they're mentioning it so many times because it's just one, right? And Now it's all coming together. Yeah, there were. Jesus would have had, there would have been four cups of wine that they would have had at that Passover meal. And he says, that's nothing. So they all represent, he said, God's plan for people's lives. It was God's plan that he had for the children of Israel when they were in Egypt but that those plans are eternal. You can see them. He said, those same four things are all throughout scripture. They're in the great commission of Jesus. They're all throughout the book of Acts. They're all throughout the New Testament, Old Testament. It's cover to cover. And I thought, yeah, I know those four because we had already organized our church around what I knew to be the great commission of Jesus, around the four things that God wanted to do in people's lives. I thought it originated with Jesus. I had no idea It had always been in God's heart. He has always felt this way about you and me. Well, I came home intrigued by that. And we had already taught these four, but not around these four cups. So I rewrote the membership class material, which you can actually go through today at all the campuses. We have our membership class, a one-hour class, where you can find out about our church and about our structures, our government, you know how we handle finances. Who I am accountable to? Uh, our vision, where we're going. What all this is going to look like ten years from now? You can kind of get all those questions answered, and perhaps make this your home church. That happens today at every location. You can do that, all right? And but I said, let's, let's 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 align this. Let's bring back this original statement from God. These four these four cups. And and then I started teaching it. This is about two years ago. I started teaching it in pastor's conferences. And I speak to more than 10,000 pastors every year in different conferences. And more than 3,000 of them will physically come to Birmingham throughout this year and we'll train them and we just give to them and we're helping uh, a bunch of churches who are, who are struggling. We're helping them grow in, in a ministry we created called, called Grow where we invest in them and, and I needed a resource. I needed something to give them because I started teaching them these four cups. These are the four things that God wanted to do that if you're gonna have a great church, you have to build your programming and your ministry around the four things that God wants to do. Not what you wanna do but what God wants to do in people, Lives and and I really didn't write the book to write a book. I wrote the book because I needed something to give in our membership class and something I could give to these these growth pastors. And anyway, it, re, it released and thank thank God, thank God for it. And we've got copies available for you today. And as always, everything we already make available to you is at cost. And it's it's it's, it's at we do that for everything the coffee, whatever we have, we we make that at at cost for you guys. And, and but if this book makes anything, you know, for its full price for those outside, you know, and if it does. Us make anything, we've decided to give every penny of it to help these churches that are struggling. And we're going to invest in, in them to help their churches grow and implement these ideas. Y'all think that's a good idea, everybody? So yeah, we're just going to invest in them. So anyway, it's out there. Check it out if, if, if there's something you're interested in. But we wanted to do a series around this. And I want to teach you things that I did not include in the book. And I want to take you on a spiritual journey. I want to take you to a place that has been at the heart of Highlands, since the day it was created. In fact, a lot of you don't know this, that Highlands was created with one thought in mind, that we thought there might need to be a place for people who said this, there has to be more. There has to be more. I mean, I love God and I've been in church, but there just has to be more than what I'm currently experiencing. That's even where the name came from, Church of the Highlands. Let's go to higher heights. Let's continue to pursue all that God has for us. So I want to begin the series with this simple thought, and that is more than 3,000 years ago, God made some promises to a group of people in Egypt, the Israelites, and those promises continue to stand at the heart of everything he wants to do in your life today. God, the God of the universe, has an offer on the table for you. He's made you some promises, and I want to just talk about the idea of promises today. This is not in the book, but I think it'll bless you really good. Get your message notes out in your worship guide. Take some notes along with me. Look at this verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. God has given us his very great and precious, say the word out loud, his precious Promises. promises so that through them, so the promises have a purpose. It's so, so like when you discover the promises, they do two things. One is, this is huge. I hope you grab this. So that through promises, you're able to participate in the divine nature. So chances are you're, you're participating in something right now and it isn't quite so divine. <laughs> like, like even a lot of Christians are living very natural lives. Let me say it this way. So the world's realities are greater than God's realities. You're not looking like scripture, you're looking like what the devil has planned for your life because you're you're a Christian, but you're participating in a natural life. And God, listen, 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 God's never designed you to live a natural life. He's designed you to live a supernatural life. Can I get a better amen somebody in this house who believes? Yeah, it's true. So promises help you participate in that nature and will help you escape the corruption that's in the world. Well, I'd like to have both of those. Like God has promises for you that will let you live a supernatural life. And those promises, the Bible calls the Word of God, the Sword of the Spirit. These promises are a weapon that allow you to escape the corruption that's in the world caused by evil desires. Jot this down if you're taking notes. This is the definition of promise it's an offer with a guaranteed result. It's an offer. And I just wanna dangle this carrot in front of you and let you know that God has an offer on the table. Now, check it out. Chances are all of us haven't fully realized that offer. Let me say it this way. So God has more on the table. He has more that, he, that is available to you that you're not realizing yet. There's an offer, and it's in the form of promises. We're gonna look at those promises today. God has a promise For you. And when God fulfills His promises, they always come to pass. God's promises, like chances are, promises have been made to you, maybe by a spouse, maybe by a parent, maybe by your employer, and they broke those promises. All of us have been on the receiving end of broken promises. Not God, not your God. God always keeps His promise. Joshua 21 says, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel ever failed. Every one of them were fulfilled. And let me point this out. While they were living, they thought God was not going to fulfill it. It looked like it wasn't, but he ended up doing it. Usually never in the way that we think, but he always fulfills it. And some of you have thought that. Well, no, God does go back on his promises. Like they're in there and I'm not getting that. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, he always fulfills them. And I'm going to show you how in just a moment. Hebrews chapter six says it this way. So let's go to the New Testament. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock solid guarantee. God cannot break his word. And because God cannot break his word and his word cannot change, the promise of God is also, see this word now, unchangeable. In other words, they are eternal. They are unconditional He always wants to do them. There's nothing you can do to say, God says, well, forget it then. You can't have it. No, no, no. They are unchangeable. You need to know that. And we who have run for our very lives to God, I love that, have every reason to grab these promises with both hands and never let go. And that's the journey we're going to go on. I'm going to reveal them to you and help you grab hold of them and live them out so that you can have more than you're currently experiencing. Now, if you're happy with where you are and you have no desire to, to go to higher heights, this might not be the best church for you because we are going, we are, we are going to pursue all that God has for us. Amen, everybody? Now, it's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. What, what is? The promises. Reaching past all appearances and they will take you right to the very presence of God. <laughs> I'm dangling that in front of you. Right in the very presence of God. So three things you need to know about promises. Jot these down. If you're taking notes, and that is that you need to know what these promises are. Like you need to know his promises. And a lot of us know some of them, and some of you don't know any of them. And, but there are a lot of promises. God has made you some promises, and they need to be made known to you. Look at this verse in 1 Chronicles. Oh, Lord... For the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and David was worshiping because you have made known all these great promises. He celebrated the fact that, I see it now, God. And you say, Chris, where are all these promises? They are in his word. If you want to know what the Bible is, the Bible is a book of promises. And in it are the lifeline, the things that we grab hold of with both hands that will lead you right into the very presence of God. It'll let you experience the divine nature and help you escape from the corruption of the world. That is why it is absolutely imperative that if you want to grow in your walk with God, you want to experience all that God has for you, you need to read your Bible every day. Every day, get in God's word. Every day. And not to read it to conquer it. We encourage people to read what's called the One Year Bible, which is a little bit of the Old Testament. New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverb every day. If you do it every day, you read through the whole Bible. But the goal isn't to read through the whole Bible. The goal is not to conquer the one-year Bible. The goal is to every day is to, to, to discover a promise in that. Just grab hold of one verse, one promise. And so if you go to our website or use the Highlands app, I mean, like, it's the one-year Bible's on the homepage because it's imperative that you find the promises of God. And here's what I want you to do, church. Listen, listen. Read your Bible every day. With one, with one goal, to, to get one nugget, one truth, one verse. Like every day, it doesn't all speak to me. Hope that makes you feel better, okay? It did all, all of it doesn't always speak to me. But every day I'll leave there going, wow, now that's good. And I'm gonna hang on to that promise. And let me tell you, when life doesn't make sense, you need to hold on to the promises of God. Whenever you're going through something difficult, you need to hold on to the promises of God. Like for every situation, one of the disciplines that Tammy and I do Is that for every situation, we find a verse. In every situation. And we're currently going through a struggle right now. And we've got something that we're just, we're dealing with. And we have found a verse we're holding on to. It is the promise of God. And I'm telling you, there's not a situation you can face where God hasn't given you one of his great and precious promises. Like if you have fear in your heart, Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you're going feel like you got the devil on your back, first John four, four, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I apply that to my life. Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things, God has made me more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. I have been given power over all the enemy, nothing. Nothing shall by any means harm me. If I'm going through financial struggles, Philippians 4:19, that God shall supply all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And I have sickness in my body, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me. I'm gonna praise His holy name who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, that Jesus took the stripes on his back and by his stripes, I am healed. I mean, you can hang on to the promises of God. It's been three weeks since I preached and I'm fired up, everybody. You go to the dentist, crown him with many crowns. No, I'm just kidding. That's not a verse. I'm kidding. <laughs> But there is a verse that says, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. So there's your dentist verse, all right? <laughs> Years ago, uh, Tammy and I, our house got broken, too, while we were in it. So, like, when we first got married, we lived in a little, I mean, it's about 800-square-foot townhouse apartment. It was a two-story townhouse apartment. And, uh, and when we were upstairs asleep, we just came down the next morning down the stairs and the, and the bottom floor was gone. Front door open, back door open, everything, everything gone. Looked out the window. And, and, and our, our windows have been shattered, both cars, and our cassette players in our have been taken out. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was a, it was a dark day, and and, and and not only do you lose all your stuff, but the feeling of being violated, and there's the fear. Honestly, it's going to bed the next night. It's kind of crazy. Kind of feels kind of crazy. We found us a verse. In the book of Psalms, it says, there'll be no more breaching of our walls and there'll be no more going into captivity. And we put that on a note card at both doors and we just claimed God's promises for our possessions and our stuff. When our kids started driving, Psalm 121, the Lord will bless your coming and your going both now and forevermore. I mean, I had one of my kids, Lord, I really need this promise on their life. Find you a verse. You gotta know the promises of God, because when life doesn't make sense, you can hold on to the promises of God. It's good preaching. I don't care what y'all say. Here's the second all right? And that is, I need to understand them. And this is where some of you say, no, God, God's into false advertisement. Like, he says stuff, and he really doesn't do it. Well, it's because you don't understand the promises. Here's a verse that's not in your notes, if you want to jot it down. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? To which some of you are thinking, yeah, he's not carried it through. And that's where you would not know and not fully understand promises. That actually, there's two things you need to know about his promises. And the one is that when God has them, he doesn't change his mind. They are eternal. They are unconditional. You cannot get away from it. You cannot sin enough to keep him wanting to fulfill them in your life. There's not a level. But you also need to know that they are not only unconditional, but they're conditional. Like every promise has a premise. It has some role that you play in it. Like walking in a right relationship with God. I have things I can give my kids, but I can't if they choose not to be a part of the family. They have to stay in right relationship, and then I've got, ble- I've got stuff, way more stuff than they have, and I can bless them. I need to walk in a right relationship. Some of you think, well, God's not faithful. Yeah, but you, are you in a right relationship? Second thing you need to know is that he always, he always requires faith. Now, let me just give you some pastoral advice. Get used to it. See, some of you still want God to give you stuff But you don't want to use your faith. You just want him to do it. And he's not going to do that because he wants you to trust him, depend on him, and that he knows will make you very close to him. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. What's faith? It's that leap. I don't think it's there, but he told me to go there. Oh, it was there. That's faith. Step out and believe it, even if you don't see the circumstances. That's how you get the promises. And here's the last thing you need to know is that God does it his way and in his time. And that's the part again we don't really care for. And God's kind of slow. He's patient. And he does that because while he's delivering on the promise, he'll teach you something in the process. And I've told him, "God, I'm fine with going to heaven stupid and dumb. Just let me, you know." And he goes, "No, we're going to learn some stuff while we're here." And he does that. But if you if you stay in obedience, walk in faith and let him do it his way with his time, he never fails. Second Corinthians says it this way, back to your notes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are always, yes, he did it. Man, he actually did it. And so through them, amen, he did it, is spoken by us to the glory of God. So you need to know them, you need to understand them, and this is what the series is all about. Third thing, write it down, and that is I need to pursue them. I need to pursue them. So they're not gonna automatically come to you. You've gotta chase them down and I'm gonna help you. We're gonna take a spiritual journey. This is a, this is a spiritual maturity series. This is a, you're gonna look back six weeks from now and not be in the same place you used to be series. You're gonna love it, it's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be fun, all right? But notice what David, King David said about these promises, Psalm 119. Your promises have, look at this, have been thoroughly tested. And some of you haven't thoroughly tested them. You claimed them, it didn't happen, you walked away. David said, oh, that didn't work. Well, let me find out how it works. And he kept doing it. He tested it. And now your servant loves them. Eight verses later, he said this. He says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I might meditate on them, on your promises. So David was like thinking about them all the time. When he went to bed, he was thinking about how he could pursue God's promises. Now, it's gonna take that kind of zeal and energy in order for you to realize them. But if you do... It's glorious. It's for glorious living. And I am making a personal guarantee. In fact, I looked up the etymology of the word promise, first used in the 15th century. This word promise comes from two words, the pro and the miss part are two words. And it literally means to send forth, but specifically meaning it always makes a guarantee, listen, about your future. Okay, so I can make a guarantee about your future. That if you know them, understand them, and pursue them, that there's a better life than you're currently living. Did you hear what I just said? So, like if you like it the way it is, we envy you. Okay? But if you think, man, there's a better life, yes, there's a better life. And I'm and I'm offering you to take this journey with me through the four of cups. Because the original promise, these original four promises that God made to the children of Israel that Jewish people talk about every Passover, they are what our church has been built on, the principles that this church has been built on, they stand as, listen, the core, the four core promises that God made. Let me say it this way. So all the other promises center around these four. Like these are the heart of them. All the promises, he got thousands of them for you. But these are the big four. And they're found in Exodus chapter six. This is that verse that Jewish people read when they take Passover, which we'll talk about next week. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and therefore the Jewish people call them the four I wills. I will bring you out. That's the first thing God wants to do. I just got to get you out of there. I'm not worried about changing you. I'm not worried about fixing you. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to tell you how what your life's all about. I just got to get you out of there. I can't even start working your life until I get you out of Egypt. So i got to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Then I will free you. This is interesting to me. I will free you from being slaves. Well, that sounds like what you already did. Like you got me out of slavery. I'm not a slave anymore. And now you're going to free me from being a slave? Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that aren't slaves anymore. You're not slaves anymore, but you still have a heart of slavery. The way I like to say it is they were out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. They were thinking wrong. So they didn't know how to act. So God says, now that I got you out of slavery, I got to get slavery out of your heart. And I'm, I'm going to free you from that. I love the word free. And that's what we'll study. We'll study that in a few weeks, just that one, that one statement. Third thing, he says, I've got a promise for you. And that is, I'm going to redeem you, redeem you. I've got to put you back to what you were supposed to be doing because it wasn't slavery. And I'm going to do that with an outstretched arm and with a mighty acts of judgment. And then the last thing is, I'm going to take you. I'm gonna take you as my own people. I'll explain all of that in just a moment. And I will be your God. And then you will know, Highlands, that God is God. Because you're gonna see this massive change in your life who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'm gonna bring you out. I'm gonna free you. I'm gonna redeem you. And then I'm gonna take you and make you a people group. I'm gonna make you something great. So let's look at those as a tease. Here's what we're gonna to do. Today, I just wanted to help you to understand that there's an offer on the table Like, there's more than you're currently experiencing. Next week, we're just gonna understand this Passover. We're gonna understand that Jesus and how the cross of Jesus and that Passover celebration in Exodus are literally the same thing. It's gonna blow your mind, what we've got for you next week, and it's on Palm Sunday where we celebrate the cross. And then we're gonna dive into these four cups, each one at a time, and realize them together As a church, but let me give you a little preview, okay? And the first one is that God said, God said, I will bring you out. That was the first promise. And that is God's promise for me to be saved. God promises me, jot it down, salvation, salvation. Now, here's the question. And here really lies the problem is that just about everybody, especially in Alabama, thinks, I already got that one. Move on. What else you got? And we say that because we all grew up in church, Because we think salvation is your church attendance, your denomination, it's the card you signed. No, 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 all that was about your relationship to a church. Now, salvation could have happened, but for scores of people, they have equated salvation just with their church relationship, not their God relationship. That's a problem. Say, Chris, then how do I know if I drank from this first cup or not? Well, I'll let the scripture speak to you because I'm gonna give you a filter To let you know, because every one of you are in one of these four. Every one of you. Like, there's more for you to get in one of these four. And you might be in this first one, if if this verse makes any sense. Titus 3. It wasn't so long ago that we, those of us that have already drank from the first cup, that are saved, that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. I love the message. Stupid and stubborn dupes of sin, and we were ordered every which way by our glands. <laughs> that means I was, my body was calling the shots. If my body wanted it, I did it. Going around with a chip on my shoulder, so I was, I was bitter. I, I, I'm, I'm out of control. I'm tempted. Also, I was hated and being and hating people right back. That's what life without Jesus looks like. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, God, stepped in, he saved us from all that. So let me say it this way. If you are still doing all that, there might, you might still need to drink from this cup. Like if you're hating and hating back, and if your body calls the shots, just saying. All right? God stepped in. He saved us from all that. It was his doing. We had nothing to do with it. Here's what he did. He gave us a good bath. <laughs> And we came out of it, new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him. Now, that's the crux, that's the bedrock of what salvation means. Let me say it this way. If you are not in a relationship with God, you're not saved. The Bible says that salvation is is when you're in a relationship with God. Not in a relationship with the church. That's a good thing, but that's not salvation. Salvation is when you're in a relationship with God. So if God is a million miles away, you need to drink from the first cup. There's a promise available to you so that no longer does your body call the shots. No longer do you hate and hate back. No, that's all can be gone. You can be a new person in Jesus name, everybody. And there's more life to come. He's given us our lives back and there's more life to come eternal life. You can count on this. (laughs) I love it. So that's the first cup. So all that to say is, if you have your own life still, there's that different life for you to have. And I invite you to drink from the first cup. There's an offer on the table for you to be saved, everybody, and have a real relationship with Jesus. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. But there's more. Scores of Christians are going to do that, and they count that the final step in the process. No, that just starts the process. Because then he says, now that you're out of Egypt, and I've got you just out of there and you're saved, now i got to get the Egypt out of you. I've got to get the junk out of your life. And he says, and I will free you. i got to free you. Now, chances are, let me just say this, 80 to 90% of you are in this one. So you love God, but you've never experienced God's promise of deliverance, deliverance. Now, that word freaks people out because you're thinking, I'm I mean, like, right? Like, woo, like my head's got to spin. You know, a Catholic priest has to come in with a cross and get the devil out of you, right? Deliverance isn't for people with demons. Deliverance is for people who are still trapped in their old life. So you're a Christian, but you still are, your sin nature still is interrupting the process. All right, so you have this problem. Now, if that messes you up and embarrasses you, don't. Because the great apostle Paul confessed in Romans 7 and 8 that he, of course, loved God. He's he's planting churches and writing two-thirds of the New Testament, but admitted that he was frustrated that his old sin nature was still showing up too much. In fact, he says, I keep wanting to do the good things, and I find myself doing the bad things. And he, he got frustrated because what a wretched person you are. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? He was so frustrated in that chapter. And I love it. I love his honesty. And he said this about himself in the end of that chapter. So then I myself in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. So I've decided to follow Jesus. I, I, I'm in love with God's law. But in the sinful nature, I can't, I'm still a slave to sin. Like when it knocks on my door, I answer it and I do it. And I hate that. But then he gives us a truth of how to get out of it. I want you to see this. So it's in the next chapter. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, it's good for you to know. Because that means, because the question is, what does God think about that? Here you are again on a Sunday. You said you wouldn't last Sunday, and you did five times this past week. And how does God feel about that? Well, the Bible says there is no condemnation. So God's not going, are you serious? Really? <laughs> Ah, oh, put your hands down. You don't deserve to worship like that. That's not God. No, no, that's not. Good. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, in other words, God goes, "I've got, I've got a promise for you." In other words, He's not frustrated with you. He still, He puts an offer on the table, and it's the cup of deliverance he, that God wants to. God, I've got a plan for that. I had a plan not only to get you out of Egypt, but I have a plan to get the Egypt out of you. And a bunch of you need to experience that. You, we all need, right? Because it still knocks. So how does it happen? Through Christ Jesus, the law. Go back, go back. Through Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. He set me free from it. And that's what I want you to experience. And for some of you, that's where you're on the process. Here's the problem of that one. Tons of Christians get perpetually stuck in that one. I'm going to spend the rest of my life just working on me. How's it going? Well, God's not finished with me yet. Like we're just, we're stuck there. And you didn't know that there are two more offers on the table for you to move from that and experience even more. I'm fired up about this. I, I, y'all ain't amen it. That's so good, Pastor Chris. You preach that, baby. All right. Sorry. You didn't amen. I just amen myself. All right. There we, all right. Go to the next slide. All right. So the third offer is to redeem you. And the redeem that's a tough word to understand. The redeem means to put something back to its original intent. So here's the promise. God promises to restore me. He promises me restoration. Like God has something for you he wants you to do. Now, if you don't shout on this next verse, you need to check your pulse, all right? Because this is good, what you're getting ready to see. It's in Christ that we cut three. Find out who we are and what we're living for. All right, now you need to know this. Like if you don't know who you are and what you're living for, you, haven't, you have not realized the third promise. That God has something, he, he wants to reveal your uniqueness and he has something for you to do. And, and long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on you and had designs for us, for glorious living. And not only just so you can go, wow, this is what life's all about. It's part of the overall purpose that God is working out in everything and everyone. All that to say is God has a plan for your life where you can make a difference on this earth. And some of you still don't know what it is. Like you're living your life and you don't know who you are and what you're supposed to do. And you're a piece of the puzzle of what God wants to do to make the planet different. You're part of his plan. And that's the third promise. I'm going to help you find it. That's the purpose of our church is to get you out, get it out of you, and then help you find the plan that God has for you. That's what we're all about. And then you get to drink from the ultimate. It's it's where God ultimately wants you to be. And the final promise is the most intriguing to me because of the way it's worded. He says, I will take you as my own people. And notice that he's been working on you, you, you. Now he, Now it's no longer person, it's people. So at the final stage of God's development in your life, he doesn't make you a person. He makes you a people. You didn't catch it. So at the final stage, because he's gotten you out and he got the junk out of you, and then he helped you find the thing that God's created you to do. And then he puts you a part of a family, a team, a place, a city, a church with a vision. And he groups you. God never fulfills his best in a person by themselves. He always puts you in a group. He's, you'll never find it. You'll never, you'll never see it in scripture where God says, I'm going to do something just great in you. No, he's always, he's always making a body of Christ. He, 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 wants, to, he wants to put you together. And it's there that, that the whole thing becomes so much fun, I can't even describe it. In fact, let me say it this way. You'll, have, you'll never even know. You'll never even know how great life can be until you're a part of, of a team making a difference. You'll never even know. And I'm dangling it in front of you that there's an offer on the table for God to get you out of the bondage. If you're in it, if you're still letting your glands decide how you live and you're hating and hating back, you need to get out. And then once you get out, let him just begin the process of working the junk out of your heart, healing you, just delivering us from the junk. Then help you find your design, who you are and what you're living for. And then he's gonna place you strategically at a place on this earth, and a time in this earth, where you make a difference. And there is no greater joy, and you don't even know until you've tried it, there's no greater joy than when you can lay your head down at night thinking, I'm making a difference. It's God's promise of fulfillment, fulfillment. In fact, the the byline of the book, God's timeless promises for a life of fulfillment. I'm convinced that God, listen, look at my eyes and hear this, God is never satisfied with what he wants to do in your life. Until you can say, until you can say this verse, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And my friends, that's God's offer for you today. Amen, everybody. Have you seen that? All right. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.